four, 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 four. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the EG Pot Thunder with your boy, the young light skin key sweat. Back with my guy to the right, John Bellano. How we doing, guys? And to my left, my guy, Nick. Nice to meet you. Nice, hey, nice to meet you guys who are viewing in. Nick, do you want to give a little bit of a intro to what you do and describe your title of your job description? Yeah. So uh, Nick Princeby, Princeton Mortgage Office over on Atwood Avenue, Cranston, uh, mortgage lender. You know, we help finance residential real estate. We work with John over here a little bit and uh, glad to be on the show with you. And John, you have been, I'm glad you're here. And John, you have been on the podcast before. You want to give a quick, quick little recap to what you do? Yes, I am Jonathan Bellano, uh, team lead of the Bellano team over at Realty One Group Executives. Um, I help buyers and sellers uh, for res residential, commercial investors in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut um, successfully purchase and sell property. Nice. I love to hear it. And those tuning in obviously are interested in the real estate game right now. And this is a question on everyone's mind. We can start off right off the bat. So with these interest rates, Nick, what is your thoughts? People are scared. Should I hold on to my money? Should I wait a couple months? What are you? That is has have to be the number one question, right? For you between you guys, it's been one of those. You guys getting right in? Now. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, so interest rates are crazy right now, Nick. Why should I buy a property right now and not hold on until the interest rates drop? So, uh, I mean, they're crazy, but in the grand scheme of things, they're not. Um, the interest rate today is the best rate you're going to get, right? I mean, if you lock in today, you close on a house today. Let's say your rate is six and a half percent. If rates go up, awesome, you're in a great spot. If you close today at 6.5% and rates go down, awesome, you're in a good spot. You refinance and get whatever the market rate is at that time. Mm -hmm. Really what you want to focus on today is um, the value and how they're still projected to increase over time. You know, you can always change your rate, like I said, through a refinance, but you can't uh, go back and change what you paid for the house. So let's say you're buying a house today for 300000 In two years, if it's worth three twenty, and, and you go to, and you wait the two years, it's an extra twenty k out of pocket as opposed to, you know, buying today at 65 and maybe refinancing in two years down to four and a half, whatever that might look like. At a much lower price as well. Absolutely. You know, so it's more so, you know, go off the numbers that you have in front of you today. You know, if you're comfortable with them, regardless of what that rate is, you know, that the payment is the payment. Um, and, you know, make a decision based off of that. So who's hearing that question first more than anything? Is that going to be you as a mortgage lender or is that going to be John as the real estate, uh, you know, agent? Or is it both of you guys? Do you guys get consistently hounded by that question? I'd say that it's probably both of us equivalently because unlike back in the day when we didn't have social media, we do have that now. And so people are over Nick and over myself probably about equivalently at this point. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's uh, every buyer I talk to, it's like, hey, where, where are rates going? You know, uh, if it drops throughout the process, can, can we get the lower rate? You know, right. what are we going to do, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's a non-stop topic are you thinking people losing out on house like do you think people are losing out on their dream house because they're overthinking the interest rate at this point absolutely 100 percent. yeah because at the end of the day even if the interest rate is 20 percent, when you rent you're paying 100 percent interest all the time and what that means is that you're never seeing a dollar of that back and i'm going to say that again you never see a dollar you put into your rental back into your pocket however in a purchase there's at least the probability that you're going to at least make equivalent, if not more, than what you had before. Mm, so you're shaking your head, Nick. So do you agree with that statement as well? For sure. I, I mean, 
let, let's say uh, equal payments, right? You have the, uh, especially where rents are at nowadays, right? For a three-bedroom apartment in a decent area, you might be paying like eighteen hundred, two grand, mm-hmm. right? So let's call it two grand for a round number. That's two grand a month going towards someone else's uh, mortgage or a rent payment, right? If you live in that place for three years, that's thirty-six thousand that you just laid out of pocket with nothing in return. Let's say that same house you own it and your mortgage is twenty-five hundred. Right. Or even let's call it three grand. Same time period, three years. At least when you go to sell it, you're going to get some kind of return on that uh, on that money that you put into it. So, I mean, it's uh, the easiest way I could describe it is your house and your mortgage payments going into it. It's like you're it's like you're building a big savings account Mm because, you know, whether you go to refinance and take cash out of it at some point or or sell it down the road. I mean, you're going to get some level of equity back uh, versus uh, versus the rent. 100 percent. Big savings account, though. So. Okay, so yeah, I'm not seeing that money back when I rent for somebody else. But, you know, Nick, I am interested in buying a house, but I'm scared about, you know, I'm giving all my money down for a down payment. How do you react to someone who's saying that to you? You don't want to drain your bank account down to zero, you know, because, I mean, when you when you go to buy a house, you're going to have to, you know, typically, maybe let's say you're buying new construction, right? And let's say you got to put down a minimum of 3%, right? you want to have some kind of savings for something that may happen down the road, even if it's just buying furniture. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, someone who's has 20,000 in the bank and it's going to cost $18,000 to get into the house might not be the best, best situation for them. Um, so you you just got to analyze your finances appropriately and know what your saving habits are and, uh, make your decisions based off of that. But, um, that's a conversation we have with everybody, uh, day one. It's, uh, you know, Hey, what do you want your out-of-pocket expenses to be and what do you want your leftover cash to be so that you're comfortable day one when it goes uh, when it's time to make that first payment and, and to take that to the next level one of the things that nick and i do when we are meeting with these clients is we find out what their max pre-approval is so let's say they're approved at five hundred thousand, and then while nick's having the conversation i don't get to know this stuff but nick has a conversation of what can you afford as far as out-of-pocket and so on and so forth and then they determine what your affordability amount is so you're approved for 500 but you can only afford 300 to 350 without going house poor because you put all your cash down into the property. Um, and it's something that's survivable, something that you can continue on. Um, uh, I forgot the word, but um, it's just something that you can continue to maintain. Then you come over to the realtor, AKA myself, and you say, hey, John, I'm a proof of 500,000. However, um, 300, 350 is about my max. I do not go higher than that. And then I set up a search so that way um, they stay within those confinements. But when we do try to go under contract and we do start submitting offers, we actually try to stay about ten, fifteen thousand dollars below that anyways. So now you have multiple buffers in there. So that way if you need to if you find the home of your dreams, boom, let's go to the three fifty. Other than that, let's stick to the three fifteen and below. So you're saying a proof of five hundred, but I'm trying to stick around three fifty, but shouldn't wouldn't you be telling them the absolute what you can spend or what you can't spend? Yeah, so I mean we always talk about in terms of like, you know, hey, on paper this is what the mortgage guidelines say you can afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, contrary to popular belief, it's actually it's somewhat easy to qualify for a mortgage <clears throat> in terms of a high amount. Most people that I speak with, they're uh, they're qualified for much more than than they actually want to spend, right? So that five hundred thousand dollar purchase price and they're in payment. Let's just call, let's say that's like a four thousand dollar payment, right? Someone's like, okay, yeah, on paper I can afford that, but in all reality, they can't. So it's like, okay, so we backtrack it and reverse engineer. We say, you want a payment of 2500 Okay, 
So based off your loan type, what you're putting down, we got to get you in a purchase price of around here. And then that's where uh, John and I work together to make those, uh, you know, those numbers talk to each other and have everything make sense. Mm -hmm. Have you ever dealt with somebody who you tell them, hey, 350 is your max and they get upset with you and they want more? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. I mean, you, you get both ends of the spectrum. Um, and sometimes there's, you know, actual cause for that, right? It could be their parent or sibling or something might be moving in with them and they know they can count on that income to help out with that mortgage payment, but they're not going on the mortgage. So we can't account for that in terms of their qualifying. So it's, you know, they know they'll have the extra funds, but, uh, we, we can't account for it if they're not on there. At that point, why wouldn't that person want to add their brother or the other sibling to the or even significant other? It uh, there's a million reasons. It could be, let's say, it's a, a sibling, right? And they maybe their their sibling wants to buy a house of their own down the road. Um, they know that they can't go on that mortgage because it could hurt them when, whenever they go to do it. Um, it could be whoever that other person is, they, they don't have the credit to qualify on the mortgage. Um, they don't have enough income to, to justify going on. There can't be a handful of reasons, but regardless of what it is, every now and then we will run into the person who's like, oh, well, I want to, you know, you got me at 350, I want to be at 400. And it's like, you know, the numbers are the numbers sometimes. You can't really do much with it. So someone like that, there's no budgeting on the numbers at all. The numbers, like you said, are the numbers and that is it. Yeah, I mean it's it's black and white. Uh, guidelines are the guidelines in terms of what we can uh, what we can underwrite to. Um, you know, someone's income is their income, and the loan program is the loan program. And these are the certain percentages of, of that we can go up to and what we can use, and it either works or it doesn't really. Is that you know just like a like a Princeton mortgage thing? Do you think other you know, mortgage lenders sometimes can? I mean, I don't know at all. I mean, that's, that's question. a question. Like, do you think sometimes people can just bend the rules and just you know? They want to satisfy their client. You know, okay, whatever. Then I'll give you 400000 and then, you know what, sink, sink or swim. I don't care at the end of the day. You want to be approved? I'll approve you. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. It's, uh, so all of us lenders, we all go by the same guidelines, same rules. Same. Pay attention here. <laughs> this, is, this is a good one because everyone thinks that they go to different lenders and they're going to get all yeah. of a sudden some better, different deal. This, this is... This is the tell-all right here. This is the thing you want to listen to. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we all we all play by the same rules, right? It's um, the guidelines are set, in essence set by the government, right? Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, Ginnie Mae, FHA, VA—they're all government-sponsored programs and you know regulations. Um, some lenders have different overlays on it. Let's say like a, a credit score overlay where. X company may say you need a minimum 650 credit score and, you know, we say you need a 600 credit score. Uh, Princeton Mortgage, we have no overlays in those regards. So if the guidelines mandated by the government say that you could do it and you check off all the boxes to do it, you could do it. Um, we go very in-depth in terms of qualifying people up front so that they know, hey, this is exactly where you stand from a, from a qualifying perspective. Um, you know, and, and John and John and I working together, I think, I think he knows that like whenever I say a number, that's the number. And if someone does, someone else is saying something astronomically higher or just something kind of funky, they're typically not looking at the same stuff that we're looking at and there's mm -hmm. a reason for it and it'll get caught on the back end. Um, and what I see a lot is let's just say I tell someone 350 and someone else tells them 400. Yeah, it's good to for someone else to tell you what you want to hear, but after you go under a contract on something and you waste a thousand dollars on your appraisal and inspection, 
and then the underwriter actually reviews it and says, oh, hey, you don't actually qualify, then it's like, oh, well, you know, you're really more at that 350 that we originally said. Um, it's a very noteworthy point because yeah. we see that quite frequently where if buyer comes back and they say, oh, well, so-and-so said that I was approved for 400, let's say the number is like he was saying. Um, but then in addition to wasting that $1,000, because you don't get that money back on your inspection or appraisal, you might get your earnest money deposit back. Earnest money deposit is also called your EMD. Um, and this is the money that you put down on the property when you go to solidify like your contract. You're saying, hey, I'm going to purchase this. Like when you go to buy a car, you put that $500 down that holds the car till tomorrow. In real estate, you put the 1000 to 5000 and sometimes more down, and that's called your earnest money deposit. You can get that back. There are ways to do that. But you put a $500 onto your inspection. If you have like a single family, um, you put your $500 onto an appraisal, and that money's gone. In addition to that, though, and the most important thing, because this is the thing that I always hate the most that I see in the market, which is why I work with folks like Nick, um, is that you've gone now and told your family, your friends, your baby giraffe, that, hey, I'm going to go get this. I'm going to get this house. You got your kids excited. You got your family excited. Everyone's all proud of you. And you're like, damn, I just made it. I'm buying my first house. And then, boom, the underwriter comes back and says, no, you can't. And you're like, what? what, what? Right. Nick gets ahead of that stuff. And, and good lenders and people that are doing the right thing, they're the ones that are going to get ahead of this. And they're going to tell you the things you need to hear versus what you want to hear. And that's that's something that uh, we need to pay attention to here. So you're yeah. saying good lenders, though. So And you said that you guys follow all the same guidelines and restrictions. So how could someone overlook something and give that same client a $50,000 it more than what you approved them of. So what are they overlooking that gave them that fifty thousand dollar overlay that overlook, even though you guys all abiding by the same restrictions? Right. So kind of, so the kind of cadence of when you go to buy a house, right? Mm -hmm. Typically, you're going to talk to a realtor first. Let's let's say it's John in this example. Uh, John's then then going to refer you to a lender. Let's say it's me. Um, the lender loan officer is then going to have you fill out an online application, pull credit, collect some documents, W-2s, pay stubs, things of that nature. And then in essence, what the lender is doing is they're making their best guess based off the data given to them and saying, hey, it looks like you're going to qualify for this loan mm -hmm. at this purchase price, at this loan amount, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of a soft underwrite that's getting done up front by the loan officer. The loan officer does not have the authority to actually sign off on your loan and say, hey, here's $300,000. So when it gets into underwriting after they go under contract and appraisal and all that is spent, the underwriter then reviews it and says, hey, yes, you were right. They qualify for this or hey, no, you were wrong. So it kind of comes into experience uh, at that point. It's where like, okay, some loan officers, they kind of know all the ins and outs and they can effectively underwrite up front where that number is is that number others are like it's a uh, <laughs> others are saying it's like yeah well it looks like you can um you might be able to do this and and we'll figure it out uh you know when it comes time to it there's no worse feeling than telling someone that they qualify for something they go under contract for it they get all their hopes up and they tell the draft like john said yeah. and and then uh and then you have to tell them two weeks later hey that you actually don't qualify you're not getting that house um, so I don't like it. I don't like delivering that news. So we, we make it a point to not have to deliver that news and, and are very, very thorough upfront with, uh, with that loan officer underwrite. And if there's ever a question where it's like, Hey, it's kind of dicey what's going on here. We'll just, we'll have it get reviewed by an underwriter, the person that's going to actually sign off on it. And you know, they'll say, Hey, yes, this works or, or no, it doesn't do it upfront. Right. And that's, that's an important thing as well. Um, another little quick scary story. I'm just going to throw in there real quick. 
um, to add to that, we had a, a buyer. We luckily got it all done and whatnot, but I was on the listing side um, and the buyer came with an approval, a, a pre-approval like we've been discussing um, from a lender saying, hey, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, I called the lender as a listing agent. I said, hey, I just want to talk to you about your buyer. Um, how are they doing things? And it ended up coming out that um, they are looking to get a, a gift from a family member, which is fine because you can get a gift as a buyer to help you out with a down payment, um, things of that nature. Nick can go into that later. Um, but I went a little further deeper and I said, that's great. Awesome. Who are they getting it from? Crickets. Exactly. Giraffe. <laughs> it was a giraffe. It was a giraffe. <laughs> that giraffe it failed us. Somewhere. Yeah. No, but um, but that that was exactly what happened. And I said, well, how do you? Ex how is this buyer well qualified and pre-approved? Um, if you don't even know where you're sourcing the fund, like if you don't know where that money's coming from, and he goes, oh, whoa, 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 no, 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 we're gonna get it from a family member. And I said, a family member? Cool. Which one? Crickets. And so I said again how is this a well-qualified buyer and how are they pre-approved up to this number when you don't even know where they're going to get the money for the down payment? And so what they do is they kick the can down the road. Um, I call it, uh, they, they throw spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Mm. And uh, there, there are plenty of those out there. Um, and and it's, it's horrible because in any, they, they, in, what, in essence, they're getting lucky that this loan is actually making it, they're finding the money, they're able to pull all this together, but it's all just like flying by the seat of your pants. And you as a buyer um, are going through a ton of stress at that point because now you're two months, three months, sometimes four months into the transaction that should only take 30 days and still waiting to find out how are we going to get this together. Now, everybody's stressed out, you're upset, seller's upset, and everybody's all miserable um, because of things like this where they're, they're saying you're pre-approved for something that you're really not yet. And if you just take another week, another two weeks, get all your buttons buttoned up like what Nick does um, and get all your I's dotted and T's crossed, the transaction's nice and smooth. So what's like your thoughts on that type of uh, that story that John just told? Like, is that just someone, how, how did they get proof in the first place? What was your thoughts on that being the mortgage lender? Like any profession, there's a lot of good people, there's a lot of bad people within it, right? <clears throat> so it's, it's very easy as a loan officer to just try to sit there and wheel and deal and, you know, say to, say to a realtor, yeah, I, I, I can get you a pre-approval in, in one hour. And in some instances, absolutely, you can. Most you can't. It, I, I tell people, it's like, I, I can move as quickly as you can get me documents. So it's, it's, it's very easy when, when you're not doing that. It's very easy to say, oh, yeah, you know what? You say you make uh, 100K. Sure, here you go. Here's, here's your pre-approval. You said you got X amount of dollars in the bank. Here you go. Uh, go have fun. Um, it's it's kind of funny to think, but a lot of people really don't know what they make. So at least by mortgage standards, which is totally understandable. So what you think you might make because you've made that over the last six months and you see it in your bank account, that might not be what we can use on the mortgage side. So that's why it's important to, to verify all that stuff up front. What um, documents are those? Just to throw that out there. It's uh, It varies from person to person. Uh, but for the most part, your average Joe, it's going to be W-2s, pay stubs like to verify income. Um, you know, if we have to get an employment verification up front, we absolutely will. A lot of employers now, we can just verify it right online. And, um, you know, that takes one second to do. Um, but it, it's just really just, you know, going that extra mile up front to make sure that everything is as it should be so that you don't have to tell a buyer um, two weeks into the process they don't qualify or you don't have to tell uh, the agents like, hey, I know you're just, you know, 
going to open houses for the past three months, but uh, <laughs> they don't actually qualify. So, um, you know, it's just, and, and it, it's, not, it's not difficult work. It's really not. It's just, it's just a matter of um, being lazy or not being lazy. This day and age, though, of technology, have you ever dealt with the, I'm not sure if you've seen the TV series, like Invent and Anna, and things along those lines where she was just um, essentially the premise of that TV show, which is based on reality. She was just forging documents where she was just Photoshopping. She was uh, call my referral and then her referral would be her with a text now number with a voice distorter. Oh yeah. Anna works here. Mm-hmm. Um, this day and age, how are you preventing those type of, uh, you know, the Photoshoppers who can Photoshop a paste up and things along those lines. There, there's so many checks and balances within it. Um, I'm not to say that it's impossible, but, and people, I mean, mortgage fraud is a real thing. Um, but there's so many checks and balances that, I mean, some, it had to be very, very high level to, to get past it. Like, let's say that pay stub, for example, right? So I could see that pay stub and let's just say the gross pay says a thousand net pay is 800. Um, I can then look at that pay stub. It's like, okay, do the, do the taxes being deducted align with kind of, you know, what the percentages are. And the easiest way to look at it is you look at, um, what is it? The social security rate is six six point two percent. That should be coming out. If you're if you're really questioning it, just you know do a quick calculation on that. Then you say, all right, so you should have on November thirtieth a thousand dollar deposit going in from this check. Do you see that in their bank account? Um, their W two does that align with their you know their year to date earnings versus past years on the employment verification? Are there any discrepancies between that? So, I mean, there's a lot of checks and balances between it. If somebody's forging all of that and somehow inventing Anna on the mortgage world, then, um, you know, hats off to them. You're doing a good job. But uh. <laughs> that was, that was be my next question to follow because she uh, is a true story. She like yeah. bamboozled like like Forbes, like hundred top hundred, like literally like investors and things along those lines right. where they felt comfortable with her. Like, oh, this girl's a new investor. Let's uh, just go into business with her. And they, they didn't do their due diligence. Do you see that happening? Like, do, have you ever seen that happening where people are just not doing their due diligence be, just because something's too good to be true? Well, yeah, that's kind of what uh, we're talking to earlier, right? It's just, you know, it's, it's like someone's, someone sounds good, you know, it just kind of looks good at face value. Um, and it's very easy, again, to just say, yeah, you know what, you're, you're probably going to be good. Let's just, you know, go do your thing. And then it, two weeks in the contract, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm actually... I'm getting that check uh, in two weeks, or I should have the deposit. You know, my my family members was gonna give me the money now they're not. So so yes. Yeah, so that being said, so John was saying earlier the gift. So those who don't know, if you're looking into a house, um, someone can gift you money. So it's literally just like they're literally they're <clears throat> giving you a present where they're giving you like ten thousand dollars to help go towards like your down payment things along those lines. So um, the gifting thing. So say. John was my cousin and John gave me $10,000. What's the situation in that aspect? Does John need to prove to you where that $10,000 come from or is that just a gift and you don't ask questions at that point? Uh, it depends on the loan type, right? So for a conventional loan, if John's your cousin, all he has to do is write you a personal check. We get a copy of the check. We have you both fill out a gift letter. We see it go into your account. That's the end of it. FHA loan, those same steps, except we also have to see the money coming out of John's account and you know, basically that check clearing that he wrote you. Uh, and we have to see that those funds available for the preceding 30 days of that um, of that gift transfer. So if there's any like large deposits or something like that, that could come into question. So it, it's um, it's it's on a case by case basis in a sense in terms of what may or may not be needed, and it's really what the loan program is and the, what are the uh, 
what are those situations within that particular um so when i'm first applying to get a mortgage approval and i'm telling you hey my cousin john he's going to donate he's gonna give me ten thousand dollars do you need that at face value or do you kind of you're taking my word where i can give you that ten thousand 30 months 30 days into the the process so usually we won't have the gift funds transferred before they go under contract because, I mean, sometimes people get pre-approved and they never go under contract, right? They just, they don't find the house. But, uh, you know, we do try to do some level of verification on that beforehand. You know, we'll usually, we'll usually kind of draft the gift letter and say, hey, can we at least get this signed and just, uh, we'll date it when the time's appropriate. Um, that way we at least know, okay, the gift donor is signing off on it. Um, we know what the, what the cadence is. You can't verify absolutely everything day one, but if you could just do, if you could do like 90 to 95% of it, then everything should go as it should. But, um, you know, a scenario like that, like, um, like baby giraffe. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want the giraffe to go up all the money day one, you know? So, so basically in that scenario that you were talking about, baby giraffe said that they were going to give me $10,000, came down to it. He never gave the $10,000 then, then, then the deal went sour. Our, ours ended up closing. Oh, we got okay. lucky. Um, but there are scenarios where that does not happen. And that's the the thing that just doing a little extra work like Nick's been talking about, having that letter signed and having an understanding of like, where is this money going to come from? Shit happens. We all know that. And sometimes you do go into contract and you can have that letter and the person can still back out. But at least you went that next level to understand what the game plan was, because technically that's what our jobs are as professionals, as a realtor, as a lender, um, is to to act as the person's guide. Um, you're, the, you're the center of everything. You're the person that um, we're trying to help get from point A to the, to the promised land. Um, and it's our job to help put you in, in path for success. And by not doing those little bit of extra steps, what are we really getting paid for? What are we really here for? We're, we're, we're useless at that point and therefore shouldn't even have a job. Um, so we go that extra step, that extra mile because we take our job serious and that's what we're here for. Right. I mean, like you got, what's, what's the saying? You can, uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. You know, mm -hmm. like you could tell somebody, Hey, don't buy a car throughout this process, but mm -hmm. shit happens. Someone's going to go and buy a it, it happens. You know, you got the baby giraffe in your ear and it's just like, go buy the car. <laughs> yeah. So you, so do you think you've had scenarios where, you know, you have to lay down that fortunate news where you only pre-approved for so much and then someone left you, they went somewhere else, got approved for more and they're in a bad scenario and, it's not kind of like a, I told you, well, it was kind of like where well, I was trying to save you to avoid that. Yeah. And it's happened a handful of times. And I'll tell him, I was like, I was like, look, I could, I could tell you that same thing. It's not going to be accurate. Right. I mean, it, yes, it's nice to hear what you want to hear, but I'd rather give you the truth. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, I don't want to see you waste the money. I understand if you want to try and take a stab at that and, and see what happens. But, you know, should anything change, I'm here if you need it. I'm not going to put my reputation on the line just to make somebody happy. You know, I'm, I'm going to give the, the facts of everything and say, hey, this this is how it's going. This, this is what we have here. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, that's why you got those uh, those reviews on your website. You can go check it out. Uh, both of you guys want to plug it. You guys can find your reviews at. Uh, you can jump it on Zillow and just type in Nick Principe. Uh, Google Nick Principe Loan Officer. You'll see a bunch on there. Um, so. Yeah, I know John, same thing. Yes. And so if you need to get in touch with me, um, my contact card is actually jonathanbolano.com. The name's right down there. So boom, um, plug that into your phone, Safari or your web browser, whatever it is. And my contact card will pop up, hit save contact, follow the instructions. Don't just hit got it. Because if you have an iPhone, it's a little bit quirky. If you're an Android user, bang. 
um <laughs> you, you, it'll, it'll be easy for you but uh but right there is all my info you can get my uh, reviews you can go check out properties in Rhode Island, mass in connecticut um and you can also get my phone number email etc yeah so that's where you can find those good reviews what are some tips and tricks to avoid the bad lenders nick like where what would you you know what distinguishes you having those good reviews on your sites compared to the other ones where like what should they avoid someone who's you know what are some red flags for some bad mortgage lenders john john can answer if they start the conversation by saying i've been doing this for 20 years (laughs) it's always a huge red flag that something's about to go wrong oh just trust me i've been doing this for 20 years you know my response to that whenever i hear that i was like well look my mom's been driving a car for Plus here, uh, she's, uh, she's still not that good at it. Sorry, that's big facts. So. The mic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I got number two too. Uh, uh, when they say I got the best rates. Yeah, best rates or, or, or lowest rates means low service. Sorry, I'm taking your question. <laughs> there we go. So, you should be thinking when you hear that. Yeah. So that that's not to say that a low rate is a bad thing. Um, you know, right. if, uh, for example, if I give you a rate, if you go and talk to 10 different people, you'll probably find five different people higher, five different people lower, and you'll get different levels of service with all of that. I mean, um, for the most part, all of us lenders, we're all competing in the same space. We have the same uh, same rates. Uh, typically, if someone's significantly less than another lender, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would those reasons be? Uh, they're, they're just running real skinny. Um, you know, if, if you want to close on a, a house in 30 days and, and that's what your contract says and what you have to do, it's like, well, you're probably closing in six months because they just don't have the operating capacity to, uh, to make that happen. Um, so that's why it's kind of, you almost get what you pay for in a sense. Um, but again, there's, there's nothing wrong with the low, the lowest rate and there's an appropriate time to take that specifically in a refinance when you're not up against a, um, a contract deadline, but in a purchase, you got to be cognizant of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the seller might get annoyed you know what i'm backing out of this deal to do something different right uh, not only back out but like keep your deposit that you gave them um i mean you, in some scenarios you can get sued uh so it's um you know a, a real estate contract it's a legal binding contract you know you're you're signing on the dotted line saying you know after xyz contingency you're going to execute on this on this contract you sign and close on december 30th whatever that date is and if you don't there's there's repercussions that can uh happen with it mm. So I've been in the industry for 20 years. I got you the best rates. Anything else these people should be watching out and scared of when they talk to these mortgage lenders yeah. or run into the left. So, I mean, like if someone who says that, right, it's not automatic like, oh, man, they're, they're no good. I got to stay away. It's kind of it's it's hit or miss. Right. And it could just, it could just be a bad sales pitch on their end. But, um, you know, there, there is value in the experience. But if that's if those two are the only kind of pros you have to give to a transaction, then might be a red flag the biggest thing that i would say is you know communication right if, if, you, oh, yeah. if you can't get a hold of somebody if uh you know there's just total you know you're confused because they're not relaying information properly communication i'd say is the number one red flag that i would look out for if someone if you can't get somebody on the phone if they can't accurately explain things to you to, so that you can understand it um you know because it's i do mortgages every day Someone buying their first house is the first time doing it. They, they don't know all the terms and, and numbers that we're looking at. It's, um, so communication is key. Oh, 100%. So, John, you're a real estate agent. You said you kind of talk to John most of the time firsthand, like the new interested clients of buying and getting into real estate. So I let, um, you know, you can answer after John, but John, why would you refer someone to Nick? 
as the mortgage lender? Uh, because when Nick puts his name on it and he puts that Princeton mortgage loan, uh, Princeton mortgage name on it, um, that that's closing. It's and he's going to hit his dates. And the only way that that thing falls apart or has any hiccups is if the buyer does something against his um, recommendations or the realtors. But other than that, I don't think I've ever had a loan not close with you. Um, the communications on point. Uh, he follows up every single week. Um, he does all his due diligence up front. He's proactive, and uh, yeah, I, it's just perfect. Hearing that from John Nick, how do you differentiate yourself? As you know, you said there's a there's a whole bunch of mortgage lenders out there. Why should people look into you and the Princeton Mortgage? Yeah, so I mean, um. All of us mortgage lenders, right? For the most part, we do this, the uh, the same stuff. So the analogy I use is most companies, it's, it's the same bottle of wine with a different label on it. And, you know, kind of what differentiates is the ingredients within that wine that kind of make it taste a little bit different. Um, the biggest thing as to, you know, what I do for the realtor partners is uh, be, be actively communicate with them, you know, if I say something's going to happen, it's got to happen. Um, you know, I got to be able to set clear expectations. And most importantly, I'm going to try to make that realtor look good to the client for referring them to me so that, you know, that client then has a, a referable experience. And, you know, when their mm. sibling, friend, coworker, whenever wants to buy a house, they think of, oh, you know, John and Nick, they did an excellent job for me. Let's, uh, let's set you up with them. So it's really just, you know, making the real estate partners look good executing on your word and just having a plus communication love the hair do you guys ever feel like you're wasting time with someone it's like someone's nervous to get into the real estate space and they're just uh, inquiring but they never execute and they don't you know end up doing that do you think it's a waste of time or everything happens for a reason they may come back to you like you know saying like give them that a plus experience do you ever do you ever feel like sometimes there's you know just that wasted conversation or anything like that i don't, I don't, I don't think so I, I mean everybody's at their own pace i mean it's uh it's not like you're going out and buying uh you know oh where are we going for dinner tonight right and maybe you want to go to the nice steakhouse or, or you want to go to go to applebee's it's uh i mean you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> polar opposite Applebee's. Oh. thanks uh it, it, it's uh it's a big big investment right so it, it's not easy to you know sign your name and say yeah i'm going to take on $300,000 of debt for the next 30 years. And, you know, I'm really going to pay $550,000 when it's all said and done. So, I mean, you want to be, you want to be comfortable with what, with what you're doing. And, and that might take one conversation. It might take 15, it might take 20, whatever that is. I mean, it, it's, um, it, it's the nature of the beast. It's, it's our job to, you know, just really educate in a sense. I'm going to add to that. Um, that's technically what I call an objection. If it's someone's not making that next step and the way I look at it, this is my personal opinion, is that that's, that's on me as a realtor because as a realtor, my job is to well inform. Um, and if I'm properly informing them about what they're, or let's go backwards a little bit. If I'm asking the right questions to get to the bottom of their why and what's holding them back or what their mindset is about purchasing this home, getting to those details of like what those fears are and applying some light to it, some knowledge, then they're capable of actually making a decision to say, okay, I'm ready or no, I'm not ready versus being flaky and being in and out and in and out and not actually ever truly committing. So um, I don't see it as a waste of time. I just see it as something that I need to perfect myself in order to better 
aid folks in the purchase of a home or in the sale of their home or whatever it is that they're looking to do. Talking about fears, what do you think would be you know, some of the top fears you run into, Nick? Something we alluded to earlier, uh, well, a couple things really, right? Um, the just cash needed on a transaction, um, right? So a lot of people think it's just down payment. You also have closing costs as well. You know, nowadays where taxes are and interest rates are, I mean, that could, you know, be an extra 10 grand on a transaction. Depending on the state you're buying in, it could be, you know, an extra 20 grand. That's crazy. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, you know, do I have enough in the bank? You know, what is what is the market going to do? You know, a lot of people are still hung up on what happened uh, 15 years ago in 2007. And they're like, is there going to be another crash? And if I buy this house for 400000 is it going to be worth 200000 tomorrow? Uh, it's there's a handful of things, but again, it comes down to you know it's that big decision. You got to be comfortable with it. We got to educate them enough, and you know eliminate their their obstacles to to be comfortable in that decision. So those fears. Do you have any more fears you think you hear running into, Bellano? Mm. No, I think that's pretty much the the the, the brunt of them. Um, it's really just a lot of uh, the being fa- uh, scared. Um, a lot of folks don't feel like they're capable. Like they, um, so a lot of folks, when they go to buy a home, they're like, I don't like, what happens if something goes wrong? Um, what happens if the blinds fall off some to some people and literally someone that I actually spoke to three days ago, I was at a a showing and, um, I can't remember what they mentioned, but it had to do something with like the blinds said, well, what happens if those fall? How much is that going to cost me if that, if that falls? And, and that's such to me, a simple answer because it costs you almost nothing. You get a screwdriver and you just screw everything back in and, and you plop them back in, you close all the latches and you're good to go. But to this person, it, it was this huge um, feat that they had to overcome. And if you look at that and then compare it to plumbing issues and a furnace issue and such, it can get really, really like scary. Um, but what we offer as a team is we offer solutions to all that. So when you go um, and purchase a home or when you're going to go and do this, it's, hey, you're not leaving us after you close. You're stuck with us for life. It, this is a relationship for life. So when you're, I had someone call me and they said, my fire alarm won't stop making beeping noises. What do I oh do? Oh, my God. <laughs> On Saturday, that happened to me and it pissed me off. <laughs> Bro, I came home. It really struck a nerve. Did you, did you call John? I called. Was that was him. me. That was me. John, what the hell is happening here? This shit won't shut up. Luckily... I was home alone, so I wasn't making a ruckus, but I was by myself. It literally pissed me off. I figured it out. I had, went to, sideways. I had to YouTube University this thing. I had to literally destroy this smoke detector. What happened? I dude, it literally wouldn't stop. Like, I'm like new batteries and all? No, it was one of the kitty ones where there's no battery. You have to like literally turn the knob to off and then it breaks the entire thing. <laughs> I'm, all right, cool. Finally, after had to get, that's why on my table out there, there's the kit for my drill kit. Literally had to break it open. I'm like, finally, it's done. I lay down. I'm not even joking. Like literally like 10 minutes later, it's like, it's like, it's kind of like dying, but still making the noise. I'm like, yo, you fucking serious? Literally came back, had to get wire clippers and cut the wires and break the, the freaking smoke detector. It was literally like a movie. It was like a scene out of Kirby Enthusiasm. It was absurd. It sounds nuts. It was. It pissed me Did off. Did you call the giraffe to come help? Yes. My giraffe definitely came through and stomped on it for me. And then it finally stopped after like literally this was like an hour and a half saga. It literally pissed me off. I should have went out that night. 
I didn't, and then you I just stuck. stuck in the leg room, this was on Dude, Saturday. Should have. <laughs> yes, it was on Saturday. Pissed oh, me off. This is the day right after your birthday. Yes, okay, and I was cool. Oh. have it. Were was, you recovered by then? Oh, uh, was I? <laughs> That's oh, why I he was, was recovered the next morning. He was yeah. hung over. Oh, He's sitting there trying to figure this thing out. <laughs> literally, though, so like that literally happened to me, and I I'm pretty familiar with like construction. At least can figure stuff out. So that could be a humongous feat to someone who's dealing with blinds at least i can deal with the blinds so like bam back to your example people can't deal with blinds or dealing with that they might think it's a big feat they call you hey what's up blano you have not you know you haven't forgot about them they haven't forgot about you they call you and how's it go from there um and then i just figure i I show up and i figure out what's going on and then i either help them fix it or i'll point them in the right direction once i fully understand because some people don't know how to communicate what's actually going on Oh my God, my blinds fell down. The wall's all screwed up and blah, 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 blah. They make it sound like somebody just crashed through their damn wall with a, a, a baby giraffe. Like a Kool-Aid um, guy, the Kool-Aid dude. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and really all that happened was one of the little latches fell off and they just got to like plug them back on, but they didn't. So it, it's all simple stuff. But if you come and put your eyes on it, you can figure it out and boom. But um, that that's ultimately like one of the big concerns that I get is people don't feel like they can do it. They feel like it's such a big um, project to, to take on. Yeah. Um, oh, I have kids. I'm, I'm also trying to go to school and blah, 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 blah. Truth of the matter is that owning your home is actually 40 times easier than being in a rental property yeah. because in a rental property, you got to call your landlord. And that motherfucker probably don't know shit either. Do they show up? <laughs> Do they fix Do they it show, properly? Yeah. Um, and then are they going to increase your rent afterwards because of it? Um, right. it, 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 it? You're living in someone else's houses at the end of the day, uh, someone else's house at the end of the day. And therefore, it's like you don't really have that power. But at your own place... Yeah, it costs you a little bit, but at least you have a quick solution. We've saved you money by the way that we handle things, and you have money in the bank, so that way we can take care of things like that. Yeah, I mean, you talking about costs, and you said the you know, biggest thing that you've dealt with is people having the money for that. Is there programs that, well, I know there is, but let's segue in for you, that can help out a first-time home buyer. I have a lot of friends who are still renting, and I try to tell them about the first-time home buyers program, and they never even heard about it. So first-time home buyers for people who have, Still renting, tuning into this. Nick, how can you help those first-time home buyers out? Yeah, so I mean, there's a number of programs available. You know, even if you're looking to buy a multifamily and you know you want to, you know, get that first uh, investment under your belt, live in, let's say, you know, you're buying a two-unit, live in the first floor, rent out the second, or three-family, live in the third, rent out the uh, the first two, uh, or just a single family, have a little place of your own. I mean, there's a there's a handful of options to get your down payment covered, your closing costs covered. I mean. There's been many scenarios where um, at the closing table, the uh, the buyers are actually walking away with a check instead of, uh, you know, actually bringing one. So it's there's a dozen of them out there. I mean, we even have programs like down payment assistance programs for people who are not first time home buyers, And it could be, you know, someone who's not going to get as much money as they thought they would on the sale of their home. It's like, OK, well, we have assistance for that, too. Uh, so if, if like lack of assets is the one thing stopping you, there, there's, there's typically a solution for that. And, uh, it's just a matter of figuring out what works for you. It's the most popular one has to be the Rhode Island first home buyers at this moment, right? Yeah. Specifically in our area. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think like right now we have like, uh, we have like eight of those going right now. So it's, 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 it's very, very popular. So are you... Uh, telling people about those programs or are they coming to you with those programs like do you need to know that first off or are you helping them out in that in that scenario so kind of like my conversation day one right let's say john uh refers me uh joe buyer right i'll be like hey joe um you know 
this whole process starts off with a pre-approval. It's an online application. It's going to collect like your personal information, address history, work history. It'll allow me to pull credit. Once we have that, you know, we'll collect some documents, those W-2s and pay subs that we alluded to earlier. And then we'll, uh, we'll go through, you know, what your qualifying amount is, what, what programs you qualify for, whether or not they need them. And that could be like, an, you know, just if they're putting money down, if they're not putting money down, and then what each one of those programs is going to look like to them from a, from a financial perspective, you know, monthly payment, out-of-pocket expenses. Um, but, you know, we lay out all options on the table so that, you know, they, they heard it from us. And it's not like, you know, after they buy the house, they're chatting with their friend, having coffee, and they're like, oh, well, my loan officer told me this. And they're like, well, well you know, Nick didn't tell me that. So we, we try to give, give all the options and then, you know, make our recommendation and, you know, allow them to make an educated decision. So I'm first-time homebuyer, Joe, Joe Schmo F., over here and I reach out to Nick and this is my first time buying a home. I'm interested in buying an investment property. I do qualify for first time home buyers. So first time home buyers in Rhode Island, what's that entail for those who are interested? Cause you did say that you are in Rhode Island and Cranston. So, um, you know, it's my first time home buyers. I say I get pre-approved for 300,000. We know what's that look like for someone who gets pre-approved for 300,000 and just to make it easier. I do buy a home that is 300,000. So what, you know, can you, can that, you know, can you think about that on top of your head right now? Yeah. Or? So, uh, so there's two programs right now through Rhode Island housing. One is a, it's called the 10 K DPA. Uh, so pretty much what you're, they're going to do is give you $10,000 towards your down payment. Uh, the down payment requirement of that loan is 3.5%. So that $300,000 purchase, that's going to be a, a down payment requirement of 11,500. So you're getting 10,000 in assistance. Requirements eleven five, so you just got to pay that fifteen hundred dollar difference, um, and then that ten thousand dollars. It, it's not free money, but it's uh, it, it gets paid back whenever you sell the house or refinance it. Um, so in essence, what you're doing is you're taking that ten grand and deferring it. But it's a great way to get into a house uh, if you don't have the assets available to do it right now. Another option is you'll get six uh, percent of the purchase price up to fifteen thousand dollars in assistance. However, this assistance portion is paid back over the course of a 15-year loan, and it's a secondary lien uh, to your 30-year mortgage, which is going to be you know, the, the bulk of the purchase. But you'll have this 15-year loan, let's say it's at 15000 and that's going to help you out with both, uh, you know, can help out with both your down payment and closing costs. So there's, um, th- there's options for just about any scenario out there. So why would you pick one over the other? Uh, one could be credit score requirements. So that 10,000 uh, program has a, uh, a 660 minimum credit score. The 15,000 has a 620 minimum credit score. It could be house type that you're picking one over the other. So the um, if you're buying a three or a four family, if you need the down payment covered, you'd only be able to use the 10,000. Um, and it could just be personal situation, right? Maybe, maybe the 15,000 is needed more than the 10,000 um, and you'd rather take on that payment so that you can get that extra cash to to help out with everything. So when you're hearing those scenarios, John, does that dictate what you're doing differently on the real estate agent side? Yeah, definitely. Um, because um, you gave a hard yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, so depending on their finance, so there's a lot of different factors that come in here. We're we're talking about two simple topics that have a multitude or an array of um, different things that could be occurring on a financial level for this client. Um, maybe they, they are strapped for cash and they, they don't care and they want to get in a house no matter what, and they don't have money to go and 
fixed anything in the house. Well, then now we're focusing our search on properties that don't need any work that may need minor cosmetics, if anything at all, it's like plug and play, um, and boom, but maybe on the other side, it's just somebody that just doesn't want to bring all their cash to closing. And they'd rather keep their 15, $20,000 flat in the bank, kick the ball down the road, um, or the can down the road, uh, and take care of those payments when they build an equity, because they're planning on being in the house for 20 to 30 years anyways. So um, in the, with the way the market is in the US, the market always goes back up at some point. Um, but anyways, depending on what their scenario is, we'll determine how we get to the, the step number two. Um, but again, that comes back to how good of an agent I am being at that time, um, or the agent that you're working with if you're in another state and whatnot. Um, and figuring out what your, what your current situation is, so that way they can set up you for success. Um, the, the best tailor that's out there is one that remeasures you every single time you go back, not the one that just tries to keep reusing the same sizes because things change according from person to person. I mean, even almost day to day and month to month. So we have this continuous conversation going with our clients to, to stay on top of that so they can be successful. Yeah, love to hear that. Um, so someone like the first time home buyers. So first time home buyers, are you able to resell that house or am I stuck with that house? Like if you're getting the assistance from the first-time home buyers program, you could buy that house today and sell it tomorrow. Um, really, <clears throat> all it means is you know when is that assistance getting paid back, right? So, if you neither of the loans are forgivable, right? It's not free money. So the ten thousand dollars that that's paid back whenever you sell or refinance the house. So essentially, when you go to sell the house, you know it, it's it's a lien getting paid off the same way your primary mortgage is. Uh, with the 15,000, if you're selling it before that 15 year are up, same thing, it's just getting paid off, or if you refinance it. Now, when you refinance it, let's just say they're buying today and rates, uh, let's just call it six and a half percent. And then in a year and a half from now, rates are at four and a half and they want to refinance, they can. We'll take that assistance loan and roll it into the uh, that primary mortgage. So that way they're not paying that assistance funds back out of pocket but they're still getting the, the lesser rate based off of the, um, the updated market. Gotcha. So, um, would you recommend someone though, if they, if you're going to buy that first on one buyers, would you, is that someone like just their preference or would you recommend, you know, buy something that you think you're going to stay in the rest, you know, at least for, for the foreseeable future or is it all on preference? Uh, I mean, no matter, no matter which way you slice it, you, your first house, most likely you're not going to live in there forever. Right. You know, typically, you know, I think the average is someone t like touches their mortgage once every five years, and that that could mean refinancing, selling. Um, so I'd say, you know, whatever you're comfortable with today, fine. Um, but you know, life changes. You know, in the course of one year, five years, ten years. So um, you might have to sell it, you might have to refinance it, you might stay there forever, right? But most likely, you're going to refinance within thirty years, anyways. So. So for the first time, let's finish off at that. I'll touch that real quick too. The first time home buyers, obviously though, so once you use it, you're done. You can't go back to use it again. Or is there some type of like Yes and no. So the the, the the definition of a first time home buyer is somebody who hasn't owned their home as their primary residence for the past three years. At, at least that's how Rhode Island Housing defines it, right? So if let's just say they use the first time home buyer today, they got it, they got the 10,000 in assistance. And then in June of next year, they go to sell the house and they're gonna, they're moving to Florida, they're gonna rent for, for a little bit. 
So maybe they moved to Florida, right? They sold their house in Rhode Island and they're staying there for a bit. It's been five years. They're moving back to Rhode Island now or anywhere in Florida. And it's like, okay, uh, I want to use the assistance again. So long as they haven't owned something as their primary residence for the past three years, they're good. Hmm. That's a little, oh, okay, cool. And so, but isn't there also a thing where say I bought a, I use a first time home buyers and I have a girlfriend and the girlfriend lives with me for a certain amount of years. Doesn't her first time home buyers get disqualified? Uh, girlfriend, no. Wife, yes. Hmm. So don't get married. Don't get married to me. <laughs> so essentially, what Nick is trying to say over here. But um, okay. But what is that? Just the, the clause again. Like the first time home buyers for Rhode Island. Yeah, because I mean, basically, essentially, you know, when you're married, you're, it's now joint asset. So regardless if you're on that mortgage or not, it's you know you're technically an owner of it but you know if, if it's just a girlfriend it's not gotcha. their personal property so that's um all the questions i have at least i have on the first time home buyers john do you have anything to add to the first time home buyers anything do you uh any concerns or things i've missed just an overall disclaimer um if you're listening to this everybody's situation is different we are only going over things from a pretty high level um there are some things that we've spoken about that have triggered to me that our tax are going to have tax implications um, so make sure that when you're going to start pursuing this, um, find yourself that trusted realtor. This is, I don't think this is the, the segue to the end, but um, just be mindful that you want to find a trusted realtor, you want to find a trusted um, lender and even an accountant to uh, have these questions with, uh, have these conversations with, so that way you can get ahead of, of everything, be proactive and, and get, set yourself up for success early on. So that way you know that whatever your investment strategy is, if that's what you're looking to do, um, you understand what's going to happen two years on the road within two years if you buy and sell quickly within three months and such. So right. that's all. Just quick disclaimer. You know, for sure. And I'll just touch back on the refinance. Why would someone, you know, we kind of got over the first home buyers getting into it as the first time, you know, someone dipping their toes into the real estate world. So they got past that part. People tuning in who've had their home for a little while. Why would someone refinance on their mortgage? A handful of reasons, right? And it might not, might not even be someone that's had it for a while. Like it, it could, they could have had it three months, six months, and it, and it makes sense to refinance. Um, case in point right now, right? Rates are anywhere from the sixes to sevens, depending on what you're doing. In two years from now, rates could be in the threes or the fours. And, you know, you could save several hundred dollars a month by refinancing. It makes absolute sense. Uh, it could be their home is appreciated in value and they have $100,000, even $20,000 of potential equity to use and, you know, pay off debt or uh, do an improvement or just pad the savings account. They could do that. Uh, or it could be someone who initially bought a house on a 30 year. They've had a large increase in income and they're like, you know what, I want to switch to a 15 year um, so that they can pay it off quicker. So there's a there's a number of different ways, kind of like what John said a little bit earlier. Everyone's scenario is different, um, and it's, it's you got to take it on a case by case basis. You know, but you know, you're saying that everything sounds cool. I'm gonna just come at you from the you know the average Joe Schmo side. You know, for the most part, you know, especially you know, I say like someone like my parents, they're not tuning in and you know keeping track of the interest rates. You know, how is someone you know maintain that you know. To, you know, keep up on the news like do you have like tips and tricks or someone like if the interest rates do fall how am I I'm, to be honest I'm looking at every now and then I'll see it on Twitter every now and then like, oh shit interest yeah. rates are high 
interest rates drop. I don't know. I'm not checking every day. You know, I'm not yeah. a person like that. I'm not in the industry. <laughs> so how does someone and John answer first because he's hot on John, the topic? John, yeah, it, 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 I'm gonna keep going back to the same thing. It's all about repetition. Align yourself with the right lender who you can have these conversations with. You don't need to stay on top of it. If you have a store that you work at and you're the go-to person, I'm not going and keeping track of all this stuff. I'm going to go to you for that because you're the professional. You're the one that knows your stuff. If you're in retail or if you're a fashion designer, it's, I'm not going to say and keep up with the fashion if that's not like a, a hobby of mine or whatever. If that's a hobby, that's another conversation. But if I'm just an average Joe Schmo and I just like that, you can't be in everything. You, you got to at some point put your trust in the professionals and just know how to like leveraging what we were talking about, about how to, how to, um, interview them. What's the word I'm looking for though? Um, to, to, to go through who this person is and, and determine if this is the right person that you want to work with. Yeah, definitely you know, interviewing. I know the way you're trying to say it and I'm also blanking on it, but, um, you know, so, sorry. Go ahead. Go, 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 go. So, I mean, speaking of interest rates, right. So like, um, you, it's 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 boring to monitor right i mean mm -hmm. like like it's like uh most people don't watch stocks most people don't watch interest rates i mean if you're getting it from the news it's they're typically like a little bit behind in terms of where they're actually at um but so like at least uh what i do once you close you go into our database and you know your rate is there and let's just say it's 6.5 percent right and then we're always monitoring it. And then like once, you know, rates drop to 6%, I'll probably reach out and it's like, hey, there's an opportunity to save, um, you know, half percent on your mortgage. It looks like they're trending down. So maybe we wait a little bit or um, it's like, hey, rates have plummeted. Let's lock in before they shoot back up. You know, we, we watch that for you and we give you the opportunity and say, hey, this is what that, that might look like. And then, you know, take it from there. And then same thing on the, the home value side, you know, what you say, your home was appraised at this when you, when you first bought the house and you know the area has appreciated by x percent so we're um we're monitoring a lot of that for you to be proactive just with. for re new and returning customers you're doing that for yeah everybody anybody who closes a loan so you're saying so my house appreciated by a hundred thousand how am i looking that how are you reaching out to people so say we close on a house together how are you reaching out to me through email, through text, through phone call? How much I'll be looking out for those notifications? Uh, all of the above, probably. Um, usually you start off with a phone call. You know, I, I prefer the, not the face-to-face, -face, but the uh, you know the voice communication versus a text, just saying, hey, you want to save a few bucks or take out a few, a few dollars out of your house? Uh, so, you know, you start off with a phone call. If you don't if you don't pick up, leave your voicemail, send you a follow-up text, and probably an email the following day. Um, but, you know, there'll be several forms of communication to uh, get that point across. Oh man, Nick's reaching out to me again. I just closed with this guy a year ago. He's trying to make more money on me. How do you respond to someone like thinking like that? So when they're closing initially, I kind of preface it and say, hey, you know, we're going to monitor this stuff. And it looks like if there's an opportunity for you to do something of benefit to you, we'll let you know. Um, you know, some, you can't please everybody. Some people just won't want it. Some people, you know, kind of look at it as like a, you know. Selling pitch. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was like, you know, whether or not you, you you go through with a refinance or a purchase, it's, it's no it's no skin off my back per se. But you know, mm -hmm. it's you know, again, I, I want you to hear the benefits from me, not from somebody else, and say like, oh well, why didn't uh, so and so tell me? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all that being said, so that was all like your business side of it, Nick. So we kind of talked real quick 
off camera before we went live. So what brought you into, uh, people can know a, bit, a little bit about your background. So my guy, he is not from Rhode Island. So what brought you to the state of Rhode Island to begin with? Get a little bit of background by yourself first. So you get yep. to know the Nick, the real Nick. Yes, sir. So uh, I'm originally from New York. Uh, use that a little bit loosely. I, I was born in New York. I uh, grew up in Rhode Island. My whole family is originally from New York. Um, but I grew up in Cranston, uh, which is, you know, where we're at right now, which my office is. <laughs> um, and, you know, I grew up in Cranston, went to college in New Jersey. I, I went to Rutgers. And initially at school, um, I started off as a, uh, in chemical engineering. And wow, hard <laughs> left. Hard. Whoa. <laughs> I started off in chemical engineering, realized uh, I hated chemistry. So I transitioned to um, computer engineering. And I realized I hated coding. I'm like, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> and then uh, hey, you guys have the coded thing in the background. Uh, we're both computer engineers. I uh, I don't. <laughs> so uh, I realized I hated coding. So I was like, all right, you know, what? I'm gonna go criminal justice. I'll I'll graduate with this degree, um, and then join on with some law enforcement somewhere, either the state or local level, and and ideally have them pay for my law school down the road. So graduated with criminal justice, uh, moved back home, was going in with, uh, you know, doing the the uh, interviews and tryouts, things of that nature for several um, uh, law enforcement agencies. And it got to the point where I was like, well, you know, I'm, it's going to take a little bit. I got to make a few bucks. So I got into, um, I started working as a teller at a local bank. And then that kind of drove my uh, sense to, you know, kind of get into the loan side of it. Again, same thing. I was like, I'll, I'll do this to make a few bucks before the police thing works out. And then um, kind of just worked out and, because right, yeah. both of you guys' backgrounds, essentially, you guys were like, you know what? Let's, I'll make a quick few bucks on the side, right. and then both turn into careers. Um, like John, you want to, you're itching to say something. Oh no, no, I'm good. I'm oh, good. I'm like, just... yeah. <laughs> so you're both. Itch, so you guys are both. You know, let's make some quick bucks, and then what tickled like you're kind of seemed like you did a couple of things. So like, what tickled your fancy to keep pursuing with the you know the mortgage loan side of things? So when what was the you know that moment that came over you? Uh, it's, it's just a, it's a different animal than, um, than, you know, your typical job. Right. So it's kind of like, it's, it, it's full commission. So it's that, that's the inherent motivator. You know, it's like a, I could sit at my desk and do nothing or sit at home and, and watch TV. Um, but it's kind of like, like your, your, your own business in a sense within the business. So it's on you to make it happen. And, um, I, I, I like that coming on to me and, you know, having that drive to do it. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's also, it, it's a, it's a rewarding job in the sense that, you know, you're, you're out there, you know, you're, you're helping people and, you know, you're working with, with great people within the field. It's um, top to bottom. I love it. Yeah. Working with great people. So just uh, come up with the story and how you two met. So I don't even know the story. So, you know, you two, John and my guy, Nick. So how did you guys come about with each other, uh, meeting each other in the first place and connecting and, you know, we met on a really pr pretty prairie out in the middle of Lincoln one day. <laughs> like, you took him on a date? <laughs> no. Um, how, how how was it started? I can't remember uh, who connected us. Uh, Riley. So. Oh uh, yes. A, a mutual uh, a friend of ours, pretty much. You know, it said to John, "Is like, hey, you should, I, I was hosting an event." Uh, we were both brand new at the time. Yeah. So I started in March of seventeen. This might have been in. I don't know May, June, July, something like that. It was later in the year, like August. Yeah. Um, and. 
uh, our, our mutual friend said, hey, John, you should go to this event and just, you know, meet Nick, shake hands. And then, you know, event was winding down. I see this guy walking in. I was like, oh, man, we we're just getting ready to leave. He, he's coming in. <laughs> so uh, Spanish people time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we connected and then, you know, you know, had some some level of business to, uh, to begin. And then uh, we kind of drifted apart for several years. And then same thing. We were um, I was hosting another event uh last year like early last year or summer of last year reconnected and you know we kind of both realized hey you know we both grown quite a bit from um 2017 to at that point 2021 and um you know thought it was a made sense to you know drive business further together damn sounds like a love story that i need where's my girlfriend's at like that jesus that sounds like uh no it's crazy because when you know things come about you know you hit off with someone you definitely know how it feels like you guys are both on the same mindset, both on the same career trajectory. And, um, you know, I've had a couple high school athletes on and I talk to them. I tell them whenever those networking events, just go to it. You never know who you're going to meet. You know, what are you better? What are you doing at that moment in time than doing that? What are you at home? Like you said last time on watching Netflix, binging, having some chips on your stomach, eating some ice cream. What could you be doing instead of that? When they have those events of networking, definitely go see them at those mm-hmm. at the halls. Any type of networking event, you never know who you're going to meet there, career-wise, relationship-wise, with a girl, with a guy. You, you just never know who you may meet. Your network is your net worth. You know, the, the people that are in your circle are the ones that can help you start businesses, are the ones that can help you push you in the right directions to do things. You never know who's going to have um, that little nugget of information. Like we spoke about the other day, I mean, last time I was on. Um, we have all the same opportunities flying right by us. We sitting right next to us. I didn't even know that Nick was a chemical engineer or a computer engineer, um, but that's interesting. And these little things, sometimes you find those connections with certain folks, and this could branch into something much larger later on in life. And you never know. Um, sometimes these people even look homeless, um, and you you want to make sure that you treat everybody equally, treat everybody right, the same way that you would want to be treated. Because um, again, you never know what's going to come back around to you, and you're gonna all of a sudden realize, hey, I can help this person or they can help you. So totally. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, as a mortgage lender, you can never judge a book by its cover Mm -hmm. because you never know, especially as a real estate agent, you know, these people can come in wearing sweats. This guy can come in wearing a full suit, a guy wearing literally a girl guy wearing who knows, but you never know. You can never judge a book by its cover. And uh, I think that's one thing, you know, I think I can, I've never done because you never know, you know, what someone's capable of. Yeah. What someone's capable of. And you, um, yeah, yeah, not for sure. I definitely agree with that. And you know, when you guys meet off each other. It seems you guys have been connecting lately. Um, do you have anything, you know, any closing words for my guy Nick John? And then you want to say to him anything you want to say to the viewers watching about my guy Nick? Um, so, man, there's so good. much to them say. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. We got all the time. We got all the time. Here, it. Put it in the real. Let's get it. So, um, so when it comes to uh, uh, working with a lender, like I've said, and I'm going to, again, go to repeat, you need to work with somebody that's going to be communicating properly, that's proactive, um, and that's going to get you answers the way that you need to hear them. Um, Nick is all of that, and uh, he's there t- to help you out with everything. So, um, for example, for myself as a realtor, I need someone that's going to contact these clients when I get a new buyer in, um, because I look at 
my level of service and what that means to me. And I need to associate and align myself with people that have the same level of service. And so when I get a buyer, I try to be like on top of all my text messages on top of my calls, do my best to, to contact at least within three hours. Um, and that's my goal at, a, at any given day. Um, and so when I was looking for somebody, I needed someone that had that same mindset. When I send Nick a lead, um, within five minutes to 10 minutes, at least an email comes back and says, Hey, I got this. I'm going to contact you a little bit later. So that way, or he'll go, Hey, I got this, um, house tomorrow, um, after 12 PM. Can we, can we align, um, and set up a meeting for them for like 15 minutes. And, um, that level of service just says so much right off the bat, because that's just how the whole entire process is handled from there on out. So if you're looking for a lender, someone that's going to look out for you, someone that's going to pay attention to what your needs and your wants are, um, that that's that's a great choice right there. That guy over there. Yeah, tune in, tap in, follow him on all his social medias. It's right there underneath him, and right here as well, or right here as well. And how about you, Nick? To my guy John, anything you want to say to the viewers tuning in who's looking for a real estate agent, or to John as himself as a guy in general? Yeah, so I mean, there's a there's a million agents to pick from right and depending on which one you choose your your home buying experience and home search experience is going to be it, it can be great it can be it can be terrible um you know everybody who i've worked with with john they, they've had nothing but good things to say and uh john was kind of like at least in our area in the forefront with uh social media marketing and 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 branding himself and and you know helping buyers like on the selling side or sorry sellers on the selling side promote their listing so he, he just kind of gives you that next level of service from uh, on both the buying and selling side you know he and his team are always going to be uh, be available for you with whatever you need and you know his level of communication and, and and dedication to his clients and making sure they're getting the home they want or they're getting the price they need on on their sale it's uh you know he hits it out of the park from both ends i mean he's a you know, great guy to have in your corner um in the real estate world when uh you know when when you need it you know, for sure, I can, you know, I can say that I've worked uh, firsthand with both of my guys to my left and my right. And, um, you know, I can attest to what they're saying. Definitely always a level of professionalism and friendship there. You know, as John that the first podcast and definitely if you're coming to the table with uh, professionalism and you can distinguish the two, definitely, um, you know, good people to get in touch with because there's a lot of people who uh, don't have that, you know, that goodness in the back of their head and they want the best for you, you know, both professionally and as a friend. So definitely tap in. I know a couple of people who worked with both of them and uh, I've known and they told me the same thing in return. So definitely tap into my guys and tap into right here. You want to give a last to the crowd, to the real people, the Milano, Milano team on Instagram and JonathanMilano.com. That's got to be right there. Go right there. Right Boom. there. And to my guy, Nick, right here, you want to give a shout out to your stuff right here? I can't see that far. Yes. So uh, my IG is nick.principe.loans. Um, not too active on there, but it's uh, more so my Facebook, you know, Nick Principe. Or, you know, just, again, just Google Nick Principe Loan Office. You'll uh, you'll get me on there. You know, cell phone is 401-862-5110. I don't think they had their phones out for that one. Get your uh, phones out. <laughs> Four get your phones out. Here we go. Ready? Wait, we got one more Replay. sitting in the back. The, 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 the draft's confusing them. Just There you go. There you go. 401-862-5110. Bang. That's Tap it. in. If any questions, definitely reach out to my guy. He'll answer immediately or he'll get back to you. Leave a voicemail. He will definitely reach out. 
And um, never leave me a voicemail. Just text me. <laughs> honestly, me too. I would not check that voicemail. I have a million voicemails. I never check. And um, yeah, tap in. Make sure you have any questions for my guys. You know, reach out to him. Reach out to John. Get connected with both of them. If you have any questions in the real estate game, we got a little bit into Nick's personal life. Maybe he'll be back for a part two. We can get into more details. We can talk about the Giants and the Dolphins potential Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe the Dolphins. I don't know about the Giants. Yeah, Dolphins. I don't know about Giants. <laughs> yeah. We get to a whole sports podcast. Maybe they get Odell Beckham. Maybe they don't. They're probably not going to get him. Probably not. Right. Cowboys are probably going to get him. It's going downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely going downhill. We'll get tuned into that for the next part two of the podcast. My guy, Nick. Make sure you tune in. And I appreciate all the listeners on, po- on every podcast platform. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. YouTube, subscribe, like, get that five star review. Appreciate everything. Make sure you follow me on my Instagram and all social media as well. Explore F and EG Part of Thunder Ash. Get it, baby. Send us to the moon. <laughs>